Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 655 of Longbox Heroes. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I feel like uh, 655, it only feels like uh, 483, man. You know, how many did we... They finally got rid of the SoundCloud of the other show. Right, right. I don't think that exists anymore. No, it doesn't, because I think I've looked. I think there's like a few scattered somewhere but mm-hmm. uh they're most to the wind now you know yeah sadly uh whatever the currency in portugal is isn't uh comparable to soundcloud accounts you know mm-hmm. the porch the Portu- portuguese peso maybe <laughs> i have I no idea I, I wonder if there is somebody out there that has them all downloaded that would be crazy Reminds me of like an old Frasier episode where he was missing one tape of his uh, talk show and he was like on the hunt and he found like one creepy guy who had it and he had to go like <laughs> get the copy. You know what I mean? And, you know, obviously this is me doing this, but, you know, that's that's a lot of stuff that would happen with like wrestling tapes mm-hmm. in the eight, like the 70s and 80s where stuff didn't exist for a good period of time because you would just tape your show and then you would send it out to the four or five TV stations that showed your show. Mm -hmm. And then when it came back, all right, well, let's use this tape. No, no reason to buy a brand new tape. Let's just tape this week's show over this, right? You mean the BBC's policy when it came to old TV shows like Dr. Who? Right. Um, And then it was a wrestler, Buddy Rose in Portland who was taping the shows that he was on when he was in Portland. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that stuff exists, but it only exists as like his like first and second generation VHS dubs. And it wasn't until like maybe like 1985 when the companies and not even all the companies and not even everything started to like say to themselves like, Hey, you know, we might want to keep on to this stuff for like historical purposes, you know, like, the other sport, the other like actual sports keep a hold of their stuff. So like, why shouldn't we, you know? Right. right. And then I know like uh, Howard Stern, when he moved over from terrestrial terrestrial radio to Sirius, he had a lot of his back catalog that he was able to bring back over, but it was only like, at first it was just like WNBC stuff and it was stuff that he was taping. And then when they got the K rock stuff that opened up like another, like 20 years worth of stuff. Um, I do keep a lot of podcasts, Mm -hmm. um, backlogged myself. That's one of the things that are backed up on various external hard drives and stuff, but I didn't keep all the, you know, old shows, you know, I only have like what the first 12 of three guys from nowhere. Yeah. Would have been nice. You know what I mean? But, Mm -hmm. you know, we could have edited them and, 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 and cut them down and put them on our Patreon, Joe. No, that sounds like way too much work. <laughs> right. Unless your ring your ringtone maker wants to work overtime. My ringtone maker works pretty good, but uh I don't want to get it hot on my phone, you know. Right. Uh so we don't have a, there's actually like no news this week. Mhm. Uh but we do have conventions, of course, this weekend, especially uh you know, one convention in particular that uh, raised my interests. I saw it. I, ugh, go ahead. Don't even listen. Uh, I gotta wait for me to do the bit. I mean, uh, plug the 
pod, uh, the, 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 the convention. Uh, we have what we read from this past week, which was Warlock Rebirth number one, Nightwing number 103, and Superman number 103. Uh, what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Um, the Todd and Joe Have Issues continuation of the reread of Sandman as we are continuing through with the second and third chapters of A Game of You, as well as discussion of the season finale of season three of The Mandalorian. Yes. All right. Doesn't sound like a jammed up show on paper, but it but it is, right? It should be a short show, Joe. Yes. So you, Todd, have been keeping busy with um, cataloging your comics through the uh, CLZ app, not a sponsor. Should be, but yes. Um, I I did so in the beginning of January, and I still have like maybe like a shelf and a half of my trades and hardcovers and stuff that I haven't cataloged yet. I'm just right. too lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you had been making a couple discoveries going through yours. Um, obviously the one I'm more interested in is that you found some books that were a little beat up and you decided to replace. Yeah. Um, I ended up, I, it was, it upset me because I was going through and I ended up finding, um, my star, my stars and stripes run stars and stripe run, which was like Jeff John's first work that I know of at DC. And it hits the first appearance of Courtney Whitmore. She was star at this time would later go on to be star girl. And, for some reason, like I have the whole run and it, like, cause it only ran like, it was like from zero to 14 maybe. And I was like, Oh, I have it all. And when like, I pulled it out, like the zero was hit by a bus <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, Oh, okay. And I ended up looking online. I know like, um, Adam, Adam talks about that's a book that he wants. And he like, you know, he's looking for 9.8 CGC. And I was like, Oh, I see what they're going for. And I'm like, well, let me look what, you know, like just a raw copy will go for. And I was like, so basically with shipping, I ended up getting it for like 20 bucks, you know, and it's not like nine, eight, but like, they're, you know, it's, it's mint looking to me with the naked eye. Like if I gave it to like a proper grader, they're probably like, yeah, it's not, you know, near mint, it's near mint, not mint, whatever. But I was like, yeah, I, I got that. And I thought that was really cool. Just get it and put it with the rest of them. You know what I mean? And doing this collection makes is dangerous work because I'm finding gaps and when I'm not finding gaps, I'm or I'm finding issues that I need to upgrade or whatever. I'm just like somehow this is going to end up making me spend more money. You know what I mean? Right. Um, you know, and obviously I I haven't done that. I've got a couple books uh, that are beat up, and you had posted a picture on Twitter of your copy, which was beat up. Right. That's not the one that you bought, correct? Well, uh, the Stars and Stripes. Yeah. No, that's the good one. Why does it look that bad? Or no, so eh, it looks a little suspect there, like over by uh, Stripesy's arm near the spine of the book. Right. Well, there might. There's always uh, uh, spine dings. There's. I don't care about that. But. It's just uh, when there's a uh, a, cov- a cover that has primarily black near the spine, it's never going to be perfect. You know, just as soon as you turn the open cover, you know that's going to. There's Positive. three parts, but I will say the rest of it underneath the names and stuff, that's all the bag. You know what I mean? Oh, okay, okay. That's so it, like lo- the- it looks like there's like a weird discoloration on it. Right, that's the light from the ceiling and the bag. Like, I took it out of the bag, and it's, like, smooth. But, you would uh, think uh, you would have learned from our expert scanner 
mm-hmm. who scans the previews to be able to scan those without like these weird marks on them. But I guess right. not. Because when I took it out of the bag to look at it, I was like, oh, this is nice. And I put it back in. I'm like, oh, I'm going to take a picture. I'm like, I'm not taking it back out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's like, that's that's ready to catch tape on stuff. And I'm not Mr. Mint Mint, but I'm like, ah, once it's in the bag, it's in the bag. So Yeah. I'm trying to think like what is one of my most like I and the most beat up things that I have are trades. Right. Like I have I have a trade of Watchmen and the first trade of Walking Dead that mm-hmm. you say look like they were hit by a bus. I l- legitimately spilled like a glass of orange juice on my <laughs> one trade of Watchmen, you know. Right, right. Um, um I, I used to be like that when I used to lend out my Sandman trades. Uh-huh. Um, they like there were times that I, like they fell apart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I was just like, ah, they're trades. You can get them like you know at, at cost, whatever. They'll always be in print. But otherwise, like my re- my my trades, I keep in pretty good condition. Yeah. See, nowadays I do. Um, and obviously, I haven't come across anything like that needs to be replaced going through the CLZ app. But back in the day when I was much more, you know, you know, like the CLZ thing has gotten me back into being more dedicated and up to date and weekly with the collection, um, you know, between the two spreadsheets and the notebook and the everything else. Um, But it would be an issue of when I would go and start putting books away, I would find books were missing. Yeah, that's another thing that I'm finding now. Like I'm doing haven't hit anything big. But uh, there's got there's got to be some replace like fillers, you know what I mean. And the the what would happen with that is, um, you know, when my brother was still alive and April was reading comic books, um, you know, there was stuff that the three of us read. So there was like a stack of books that would go through a cycle. Like I would read them first, and then mm-hmm. I would give them to April, and then there was like another stack. Like there was one stack of stuff that she read and there was another stack of stuff that my brother read and there was stuff on those two stacks that kind of crossed over with each other and when those three stacks were going around that's when books would get lost yeah and there was an issue of fables that i had to end up buying three times and there was an issue of secret six that i had to end up buying twice because it got lost just in that maneuvering, like going from me to my wife to my brother and then back home to me. Um, and it just, I'm like, where the hell did it go? And it would drive me nuts. Um, right right now, I'm finding that one thing is that'll be replacement books. Yes, I haven't had found any too many uh, gaps because I haven't uh, sat down and figured it all out. You know what I mean? So there could always find a book somewhere. But there was a brief period where I thought it was interesting to get signatures on books. Right. And I'm finding the signatures on books, and I hate signatures on books now, unless it's like a beat-up copy. Like, I found a copy of Preacher when I gave Steve, when a bunch of us gave Steve Dillon, like, a uh, one of the communism lighters. Um, so I brought the issue with the lighter on the cover to get signed. And I'm like, oh, I want a copy that's not signed. It's nice having that copy. And I have like Captain America. I have the first comic I ever owned signed by the writer and the artist. I'm like, that's cool. But I found like, I was like, okay, when I met Neil Gaiman, I had him sign a couple of Sandman things. I'm like, well, now I need to replace those um, just because it bothers me. I don't know why. So that's what I'm finding out that there was like a brief, like three year period where I, I had stuff signed. Right. 
Um, I don't have a ton. Like, a lot of times it would be a double of something. Mm-hmm. I think you had gotten me the scalped reprint signed by Jason Aaron, like, of the first issue. Right. Um, and I think Brian Studebaker had gotten me the first trade of Why the Last Man signed by Brian K. Vaughn. Trades, I don't mind so much. Um, yeah. I, 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 I like those. You know, I I wouldn't mind a trade. Or sometimes, like, if a guy, an artist is going to do a drawing inside, uh, I don't mind that either. Um, but usually they're inside the cover anyway. You know what I mean? Okay. So my Why the Last Man one, um, Brian K. Vaughn not only signed it, he wrote all over the cover. Right. Because I guess Brian had told... Brian Studebaker had told Brian, the the writer, that it was for me in April, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that we were reading the book, and we got Brian in the book, and he had gone to the signing and whatever. So he signed on the inside, but on the front cover, he wrote, Joe, this is you, and an arrow pointing to ampersand. Right. April, this is you in an arrow pointing to Yorick. That's cool. Like, just, I don't know. Like, it was just a weird thing that's on the, you know, on the cover. Whatever. It's goofy. You know what yeah. I mean? But. Um, okay. So, the other thing that I want to yeah. mention that was pointed out to me, like, I'm like, I noticed it when I was putting up, because I do the the daily book of Shaking the CLZ, you know, my friend right. Chris and my friend Jason do it. So, um, I'm like, I'll hop on, you know, it's just something fun to see what's in your collection, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I noticed there was one that had come up. I know you had mentioned um, the Darth Vader book that was the first appearance of Cad Bane. Darth Maul, yes. D- the Darth Maul book that has the first appearance of Cad Bane in it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, did that come up in the CLZ with like that it said that and that's how you knew, or like you were thumbing through it? And... Um, no, it is in there because I ended up looking it up to make sure. Mm-hmm. in the thing but um when cad bane appeared on the book of boba fett i hadn't seen him in all the prequel stuff uh the cartoons or whatever um i was like i really like this character and i was like and and i forget like when he popped up they were like oh the first appearance is going up and i was like you know because that's the way things work and i was like oh i kind of want that i'm not like i'm gonna run out and get it and and blah 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 and i was looking into it not realizing because I have I don't have a I don't have an app that tells me everything I own, Joe. Right. <laughs> At the time I was looking to buy it, and I was like, ah, it got out of control when it when it came out. And I'm like, I'm not buying that. So while like I'm thumbing through like boxes, I come across like a box of Star Wars, and there's the Darth Maul, and I'm like, I know it's one of these because I remember it was the Darth Maul book, and I ended up looking in the app, and it was like the cool thing about the app is they have the keys next to everything. Yes, and you can actually like. I have mine set to be put in boxes. So I have the boxes numbered and I know what boxes they're in, but you could switch that around to like writer artist and like bring up a page. So I just would hit like keys and it would show me my keys. And I was like, Oh, that's, there it is. And I was like, Oh, it's issue two. That's his first appearance. And then issue three is his first appearance on a cover of a comic. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to make this, I think there's too many keys because they have major keys and minor keys and everything's a key. But okay. like the keys that are key are key, Joe. I know that sounds <laughs> terrible because like I found that I have the first Kamala, uh, Ms. Marvel, and I didn't know that. That you was know, in like Marvel. a Marvel like point one or something, yes. right? 
Yes. And I'm like, oh, okay. I have like, you know, a hot book. It's not like a million dollars, but this is going to let me know like what's, you know, key or whatever. But you were so, so right. So that's what I wanted to kind of get into was because I had noticed one had come up that it was the first mention of Dr. Afra in one of the Star Wars books, right? Yes, yes. So I wanted to go and check what some of them were and some of the notable ones that I have that are on here. So you have first appearance, mm -hmm. first cameo appearance, right. first cover appearance, mm -hmm. first full appearance, right. first mention, second appearance, and third appearance. Now, I'm like, if we're at third appearance, like, who really cares, you know? No, I'm with you. Um, but the third appearances that come up on mine, okay, you'll know why they're third appearances. One is an issue of Amazing Spider-Man where it's the third appearance, but first cover appearance of Silver Sable. Okay, whatever, mm -hmm. right? Another one is the third appearance of Carnage. Another one is the third appearance of Harley Quinn. And another is the third appearance of Deadpool that I have. Right. Wait, what appearance of Harley Quinn was it? Third. Third. What book was that? Do you know off the top of your head? I, I have it right here at my fingertips. It is Detective Comics 737. Okay. Because I ended up finding out that I have, I don't have uh, the uh, Batman Adventures number 12 or the Batman Animated Series number 12, but I have the first of her. I have Mad Love um, and the first appearance of her in like the DC continuity with that classic Yep, uh, Harley Joker, uh, Alex Ross cover, but yeah, like I, that makes me want to go down my list of like, uh, all right, major keys I get because I have a I ended up like finding my uh, Iron Man fifty five, which was the first uh, Thanos, but it was also the first Drax and first uh, Blood Brothers. You know, I remember the classic Blood Brothers? But I'm like, okay, like big keys I can kind of get. Like I have. Uh, Amazing Fantasy Volume 2, number 15, which is the first Amadeus Cho. You know, stuff like that I get. But when I, I laugh, like you said, at the minor keys, like, I don't even know. Like, just like, oh, Aquaman number 5, a minor key. Aquaman loses his hand, you know what I mean? Okay, now see, that's probably under story event, right? Right. Now, the other, the other key that I want to mention was the other key, right? Right. So I look to see what the other keys are, and I have a couple of them. One is Avengers 71. Right. And I will say, and uh, it just says controversial issue. Okay. This is from the Jeff Johns run. All right. This is the one with the wasp on the cover. Vaguely. Okay. I'll tell you how, what the controversy of it is off air. Oh, okay. Okay, then there's an issue of Walking Dead 185 where it says error panel showing Rick with two hands. And I had to double check to see if this was an issue drawn by the Rob, but I'm like, oh, no, that's right. Rick would have only had one hand during that point. Right. And then I have an issue of Swamp Thing from the Scott Snyder run. Where it right. says, recalled issue due to a tentacle resembling something that sounds close to tentacle. Okay. And I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, that's an interesting other key to be uh, noted of. Now. Made, made aware of. 
Now, okay, because I don't have all my comics in. I only have about like I about thirty some boxes. You know what I mean? So in the things I have under keys, I have major and minor, but there's also an other setting. Oh, okay. I haven't hit an other yet, is what I'm saying. So right, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, see, because on mine it just says key category, and then like I said, I, I went through all the ones that it has there, and I left a couple out, you know, like first cover appearances and stuff like that, but. Um, okay. And there's a lot of ones of like, for, like I, I just looked real quick. It was like, you know, like there's artist ones and there's writer ones. Um, and it's like first Adam Hughes DC work or first like so-and-so's DC or Marvel work or whatever it is. But obviously a lot of that is whoever's programming the app to put the appropriate keys in there as well. Right. Um, what was else was... I was going to ask something else, but I got sidetracked. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to. I'll have to go through it and say. Oh, I know what I was asked. The swamp thing. The swamp thing. Now, do you know you have that one that yes. it was recalled? Okay, because how okay. I'm asking is like, do I know I have that issue? Yes. Do I know if I have the one that was recalled? I don't know. Okay, that's what only because I've never heard that there was a recall on that issue. Right. So when you were doing it, I'm wondering if there's like that same issue but a reprint you know what i mean like that uh -huh. you can click on to you get what i'm asking i do right so it's just weird i'll have to like because that is the one thing that messes me up is sometimes there's like various covers and stuff like that and gets me like genuinely hot like i forget what book i was doing I was like, okay, I got a, it's an issue one from Marvel at a certain point. And it was like, okay, here's one A and there's like the fifth, maybe 50, 50 variant one B. And then Joe, it went through all the A, like it went through all the letters around again, like and a half, because that's how many variants there were to just issue one. And I was like, I have to scroll for like a minute and a half to get to issue two and check if I have that one. I don't know. That was just a little nitpick that I have, but it's interesting. I, I hope to get stuff done in the next week yes. and a half. Uh, so, you know, look, if you're looking for a way to catalog your comic books in a fun and interesting way through an app, it costs you, you know, um, if you go and buy it, tell them that we sent it to you. Maybe they'll uh, yeah. give us uh, next year for free or something. Yep, yep. I, I don't know. Maybe there's something I I got a few ideas rattling around my head once I get my comic lists done. You know what I mean? I like it. I like it. But yeah. Uh, so hey, there's conventions this weekend. Uh, mm -hmm. There's actually a ton of conventions. Um, I couldn't mention everything. There's three different conventions going on in Texas alone this weekend. Big state. Uh, I picked the one that uh, seemed to be the biggest, and that would be the South Texas Comic Con in McAllen, Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, the only comic book person that I noticed was there was Greg Capullo. Uh, but William Shatner, uh, Edward James Olmos, Rose McGowan, and Mick Foley are going to be there. He has a great birthday. Rose Mc, uh, Edward James Olmos? Yes, no, Mick Foley. Mick Foley, sure. Not as good as Clint Eastwood, but whatever. Right, right. Uh, in New York City proper, there's Fanfare NYC, uh, more of a comic book thing. Uh, Ryan Dunleavy, Jamal Igle, Greg Pak, Fred Van Lente are going to be there. Um, but the big one this weekend, I would say, Todd. Right. Is the Four State Comic Con. And uh, no guest that I recognize, Todd. 
Mm-hmm. But this is a Comic-Con that's taking place in Hagerstown, Maryland. Okay. Now, I looked at the guest list, and there's only one person I know who's from Hagerstown, Maryland. And this is being held at the Hagerstown Community College. And I would guess that this person went to the Hagerstown Community College. And if I was running the Hagerstown Comic Book Convention... True. And there was only one person in the world who's proudly from Hagerstown, Maryland. I would have gone through heck and high water to get this person to be at my comic book convention. But nay, L.A. Knight, I'm sorry, L.A. Knight, I had to do the point when I said it, uh, is not appearing at this comic book convention. Uh, but if you are in the greater Hagerstown area, I'm not going to say leave town, but... I am going to say, go to this comic book convention and ask them where L.A. Knight is. Yep. Yep. Uh, so did you get it all out of your system, Joe? Yep. It's all out. All it's out. done. All right. All the Hagerstown is out? Okay. Good. I was <laughs> yeah. worried. I was worried. You got you don't, you don't have a little bit of Hagerstown left in you? Oh. He was announced as the multi-million dollar megastar. Mm-hmm. And then they said his he- hometown was Hagerstown, Maryland. Oh. And I thought it was a rib. And Todd, it took them literally two years of him being on an being an on-screen character before they figure out they're like, wait a minute. If he's the multi-million dollar megastar, we shouldn't say that he's from like this poor suburb of Baltimore. Right. Well, when he's when he's when he's pitching the summer freeze flavor from Mountain Dew, call me. Oh, come on. Listen. If he if he's on the blue brand. And they're coming up to the arena. We're all going. We're going to hang out the door outside, and we're all going to get our bottles of Mountain Dew, Pitch Black, Summer Breeze, Hork and Fiber Chunks, all signed by L.A. Knight. Mm. I still have a Pitch Black in the refrigerator. (laughs) I still have a Pitch left over from WrestleMania. I do. do. Royal Rumble, but yes. Royal Rumble, sorry. Um, But yes. uh, I'd rather have... The crab juice, I, I stand by that. But so, but uh, that, the links to all those conventions will be in the show notes, of course, uh, along with information about soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows go live, uh, you could find them there, or anytime anyone from those shows go on other shows and they let me know, you'll also find them there. Uh, that is including but not limited to Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, at, at Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Wings on Wings, uh, The Boutique Show, No Chance in Helmet. Uh, Hit My Music is going to be back soon. Um, Sports Talk, unless that's behind a paywall. And uh, the Spotify exclusive show, Hiya Bussy. (laughs) Uh, I've only listened to it three more times since we last spoke on Friday. Um, It is um, one of the most interesting podcast experiences going today. Right. I can't seem to find it on the podcatcher, so maybe soon I'll get around to it. Joe. Spotify only, Todd. $90. Oh, okay. 
Um, but you could also check out some of our other friends that are doing stuff in and around the internet. Uh, go check out our friend Mike Sterling's blog over at ProgressiveRuin.com. Go check out our friend Kevin's blog at MasklLibrary.com. Uh, go check out Rick Williams' The Chop Shop, uh, where he has a bunch of, like, uh, like up, the, up front, uh, currently... He has a bunch of things inspired by uh, Muscle, a.k.a. Kanikuman, which we actually spoke a little bit about on uh, After Dark this week. Right. Um, we, you could also go check out Jason Sandberg's Indiegogo for the first issue of Jupiter. He is nearing $5,000, which is hitting all sorts of stretch goals, and he will be the first to admit that is way uh, beyond his initial goal of five hundred dollars mm-hmm. uh there's three days left in the goal as we're recording this um so definitely go support jason uh it's a really cool campaign he's really been beating feet and getting out there on every podcast imaginable to promote this project uh, that's a man who is really into and really loves his work right uh, you can check out Chris Runt's Fortress of Comics News.com, and you could also pick up a copy of his self published comic book Battle Monsters. You can go check out our friend Dave of the band Cave People, uh, his self published comic book Keeper over at keepercomic.bigcartel.com. And hey, if you do not have a comic book shop in your area, or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop be your comic book shop, Comics on the Green. We have the Facebook account linked up here for Dave and the crew. That's where he lets you know when the books are in, whether they come in on Tuesday or Wednesday. Again, DC ships a day early. We always forget about that. Uh, When final order cutoffs are uh, for some of the new great uh, titles coming out. And, of course, any sort of announcements or otherwise as we creep ever so closer to free comic book day, which I think is next weekend. Yes, it is. Yes, indeed. And uh, if you do not have a comic book shop in your area, like I said, and you like getting the physical bo- physical books like Todd and myself do, you could sign up for their mail order subscription service, get things mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly. And if you do, there's a chance you can get a sketch on the package from our good friend Becky, and you can go check out her process commissions, sketches, and otherwise uh, over at Instagram and Twitter and all of our other social media is linked up there as well. Sadly, uh, no place to give her money for any of that <laughs> stuff uh, soon. Soon. Right, right. Uh, so let's get into what we read from this past week. Todd, where would you like to begin? Um, I'll get it out of the way because I know uh, I don't think you read it. was the uh, book I was looking forward to most, which was Warlock Rebirth Number 1, written by Ron Mars, art by uh, Ron Lim. Um, basically, this is picking up from where the Silver Surfer Rebirth book um, happened because this day, like the cosmic rebirth books seem to be, uh, you know, a shared kind of like lead one into the other. And Legacy, who is... Uh, an early version of Genus Vell, Captain Marvel, because uh, this takes place in the past during uh, the Infinity Watch era of comics. He wants to know about his father, so Silver Surfer told him to go see Warlock on Earth, 
and he could tell him more. So he gets there. And at this time, uh, the infinity watches hanging out on mole man's monster Island. They're letting, he's letting them stay there. Um, so he gets into all kinds of trouble, you know, when he shows up with the giant monsters and cages on the Island, he ends up running into Pip and Gamora who, you know, were on in the infinity watch at the time. And they end up like talking, telling him, Basically giving the modern reader, like the doubt, like as they're explaining it to legacy, explaining it to the reader, like this is where we are, we're the members, this is why we're here on, on, on Monster Island, blah, blah, blah. And yes, Warlock can, you know, probably tell you about his fa- your father and they go see him and he's weakened and there's a cocoon there that, you know, like Gamora and Pip kind of think is like, that's not your cocoon because that's like the history of them. And something ends up popping out of it, which I mean, which has been in the ads, but I don't want to give too much away. And they're basically like, I'm kind of here to replace you, Adam. And they end up having the the showdown kind of a deal. I don't you know, but basically I really enjoyed this book. It's Ron Lim. So it looks good. Um, it's very nostalgic. I'm a big sucker for the like post infinity gauntlet era. And I loved Jim Starlin's, uh, infinity watch era, um, have them all. Uh, and this just scratched that itch. Yes. It's very like getting all the pieces in place. So the new reader knows, but when nostalgia works, it's good. You know, it, it made me happy and that's all that matters. Yeah. So, you know, I was picking up the, um, silver surfer rebirth books, right? Mm-hmm. And I should have known that this was just a continuation of this because, you know, Silver Surfer is a cosmic dude and these are all cosmic dudes, you know, mm-hmm. but I've never been a warlock guy. I've never been an Infinity Watch guy. You know, uh, I've come around to like Thanos, you know, obviously because of the push that he got from the uh, movies and everything, you know, Silver Surfer is always a very interesting character to me. But yeah, I don't know. I've just never been sold on the rest of the Infinity Watch. I feel as though whatever the idea behind the Infinity Watch was, um, when Annihilation happened, they kind of turned um, the Guardians of the Galaxy into, like, I guess, the more relatable version. Of the cosmic heroes. Group, yeah. Kind of. Do you know what the infinity, like the, the, the bit was for the infinity watch? Each, each, each member had one of the infinity, uh, gems. gems. That's right. And you know, so, who they, and there so was that they one, could never keep like they, so that Thanos could never get them again or nobody evil could ever get them again. Right. But the bit was, I guess there was something that warlock did with the gems that like made them like, if you use them to, they wouldn't work together. If that makes any sense, okay. you could do like an infinity gauntlet, but, uh, cause it was Adam warlock, Gamora, Pip, um, moon dragon, I'm trying to remember who the, the the fifth one, but there was a secret sixth one, not a secret six, but a secret sixth one. And he had the reality gem. They're like, because the reality gem's crazy. Like you have to be really stupid to use it. And we end up finding out that Warlock gave it to Thanos to watch. So he was like the secret member of the infinity watch. It was like, he's like, yeah, because he goes, no matter how power crazy I am, to use the reality gem alone without the other ones to stabilize you, he goes, it'll just crack your brain. And I'm not interested in that. And I was like, this whole thing of who it was. And when we find out it was fan, I was like, I just love this book. And the fact that uh, everybody had like the gems either on their head 
to like show them except for Drax. Drax swallowed his because he thought it was a, a jelly bean. He was stupid Drax at the time. And Pip kept his place in a secret place that you couldn't see. And everybody was always speculating where it was. And then years later, he said, it was between my toes. So all those bits make me very happy. And that makes me love this book. Uh, so I'm glad that's fun, right? Right. Um, so one of the other books that we both read this past week was Nightwing number 103 mm-hmm. uh, by Tom Taylor with art by Travis Moore on the main story. Right. Uh, so the bulk of the Titans uh, have descended into DC superhero universe version of hell to confront Neron. Uh, in regards to the folks that are coming for Olivia, Blockbuster's daughter's soul, right? Right. So that's your A story. Your B story is the other Titans, uh, specifically Starfire, Donna Troy, and Batgirl, take Olivia to Themyscira to teach her how to fight. Because obviously, you know, she's got the genetics in her, she's got the bloodline in her, Um they're going to be coming for her. So, you know, let's, we got her. Let's train her how to maybe fend some of these folks off, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so those are your two main through lines uh, in this book. This book is great. I really enjoy it. Um, there's a fun bit where uh, Cyborg goes into Hell's computer lab, I guess mm-hmm. would be the best way to explain it. Right, yep. And that is a fun bit, the sort of uh, lack of technology, I would say, on purpose uh, that Hell uses to catalog the souls. And again, reading Sandman at this time uh, for, you know, Todd and Joe have issues in the way that Neil Gaiman kind of handles this versus the way that the DC universe proper handles this sort of stuff, you know? Right, right. Um... So again, I don't want to give too too much away. There's a bit at the end where um, you know, somebody shows up on Themyscira who may not be what they seem. Uh, there's some bureaucracy loopholes that Dick uses to try to get around uh Neron no longer having a claim to um Olivia's soul. And again, of course, we do get a bit of a cliffhanger on uh, Neron being the DC universe version of the devil. Uh, does make an offer to Dick Grayson that maybe he can't refuse. Right, right. Uh, but all in all, this is definitely a, a fun book. I'm, you know, we've been enjoying this since the Tom Taylor run, and uh, then I, I, I'll let you go, and then I got one last thing to say about the rest of the book. Okay, because I was going to say, because I was, um, I love it. I'm with you. The thing I would have mentioned was definitely Cyborg on the computer in the bit. Like, what he says when he has to interface with it. He's like, you know, uh, just, just be careful. And I was like, okay, that's a great bit. And I and and all of it. I'm a sucker for Nero from back, you know, the Mark Wade. Um, <clears throat> what was that run called? Um, Underworld Unleashed. Uh, Underworld Unleashed. So I was always a sucker for Nero. And the way Tom King, like he's, or Tom, uh, Tom Taylor, plays with the bits of like how hell works and how Dick is going to try and get her out. I'm, I'm with you on all of that. And I like the bit at the end, like you said. So yeah, this book is always constantly good. Looks beautiful most of the time. Um, but I really liked the backup story too. I thought it was a great uh, story. It's not over yet. But I do like the fact that they uh, kind of bait and switched us on uh, just because 
Dick looks at a circus fondly. That my it gets my brain into that everybody looks at that's ever been in the circus looks at it fondly. And I like the way they went with it. And I like I do like the back and forth between Superboy, son of Kal El, Superman, whatever, and Nightwing. I like their friendship a lot. Um. So I skim the second feature. Mm-hmm. Only because it's not written by Tom Taylor, so I feel it's not important. <clears throat> I'll say this, Joe. It's it it's probably not important, but this writer is really, really good. Okay. Um, in my opinion, anyway. Uh, I just like I, I really like this story. And like, so you don't know anything about the, the story at all? Like I you just skip it. But like I said, it's like it just it feels like it's not taking place in the current storyline, if that makes sense. Right, because I I get it because it's not taking place in between the panels of this story. Yeah, um, and it listen, it's dealing with uh, John Kent Superman, um, who is currently not you know in the current DC universe. They're off doing their own separate thing, you know. Yes, but like that is something that like I would hang on like reading comics all these years, like hand, I don't know the word I want to use. I want to try semantics, but that's not the thing because it's like, it's a story that's taking place near where we are. Like, and I'm fine with that because if he's on another realm right now, um, like all, would it be better if there was an asterisk? Like this story took place three hours before, like, you know, John Kent went to Earth 3 or whatever. Like, that's the way I look at it. It's like, it's happening because Tom Taylor put uh, Dick kind of as a mentor for uh, Jonathan Kent. And that's what it is. It's just telling the story of like, oh, recently I've been doing this. This is me recently doing it. Do you get kind of what I mean? I do. Right. Okay. That's all. Um, so I will say the writer um, is a writer by the name of C.S. Picant, Australian. Did a couple fill-in books at DC a um, couple years back, and I think it's um, still ongoing. Um, oh no, no, it was um, it was like eh, you know whatever. It ran its course. It was a fencing comic at Boom entitled mm-hmm. Fence. Oh, clever. Right, um, and they're you know they're an uh, they're a published author and everything else like that, um, but you know what? I listen. I I'm being short sighted here. I'll give it a chance. How about that? Right. That's that. Like I said, that's up to you. I'm just saying. Especially, I don't remember how well like the beginning parts of it. I'm just saying because I'm not trying to like backtrack now. But this part here, like when we find out what's the crime was and who did it, I was like, ah, I actually actually like it. And I will I would say I'm a sucker. I don't know how to say their name, uh, the artist's name. It's like Eduardo. Uh, it's a foreign name to me. I can't do it well. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, uh, Eduardo, I would say Eduardo Panacea. Panacea. The big up and comer. I've seen him do stuff for years, like in the background. Um, I just, I really like his work. And I even think he's capable of better things than this. I bet you this was kind of rushed, but I'm a big sucker for his art, too. So. Okay. That's all. Like I said, listen, I'm 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 being admittedly short-sighted in this because it's not part of the main uh book, you know? Yeah. I just look at it as I'm paying for it all, I might as well read it. Yeah. 
I'm just looking to see what else they've been working on here, but I do see some bat stuff. I do see some uh, some other de- some Superman, you know, obviously some of the pencils from that. Mm-hmm. Um, they might be working on the upcoming Green Lantern book, maybe. Yes, and I want to say this artist did a lot of that detective run during, like, you remember when, like, the like Clayface was on the team? Yeah. That's kind of, like, they've been around a long time, so. Okay. I know that it looks like they had done uh, Batwing for a bit. Probably, yes. Yeah. Um, Earth's Two Worlds End stuff. Scattered Suicide Squad stuff, and you uh, well, you know what? We'll as we'll close and we'll lead with this, um, with the other book that we read from this past week. The DC site is getting better. Okay. Um, for new release books and stuff, they're actually proudly announcing new books. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way that they catalog and organize books that creators have worked on, and that needs some work. Gotcha. Because um, the other book that we both read was Superman number three, written by Joshua Williamson, uh, with art by Jamal Campbell. Uh, this is the end of the Parasite saga. And again, very interesting to see, you know, in today's day and age for a comic book, something not be a one off or something not be a six issue thing to fill out the trade. Right, I do feel that we will get a three-issue story Oh yes. this one, and that'll fill out the trade. And I'm okay with that. Yep, I am too. I like that. It's different. Yes. Um, again, subverting my expectations. So the last issue, too, uh, ended with... Um, so parasites have been taking over all of Metropolis, even Superman himself. Um, Superman getting parasited is the thing that makes him finally go to Lex. The crux of this story arc in Superman, which is different than what's going on in action comics, is uh, Lex, while in prison, has been working machinations in place to get Superman to listen to him. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to get him to do evil, but to get Superman to do good in the way that Lex would do good. Uh, mm-hmm. All of yep. Lex Corp gets renamed and rebranded as Super Corp. Um, Superman, of course, is always, or yeah, Superman is always uh, leery that Lex has something nefarious up his sleeve. And does Lex have something nefarious up his sleeve? No, with the butt. <laughs> but Lex is definitely doing this because he knows there's something bigger coming down the pike for him which is going to be just as big as a threat to Superman. So it's better to have Superman on your side now while the other players are moving their chess pieces on the board so that you're kind of ready to go. I really like the dynamic. It's something different to do with the Lex and Superman relationship. Um, Obviously, and again, spoilerish, I guess. Um, At the end of the issue, Superman does finally relent and say, like, we'll work together, um, Lex. And he gives Lex a present that I think anyone else in the world would be happy to get except for Lex. Right. Um, but, you know, we, we get like a, a cool Parasite story. I think Parasite is an oft underutilized and underappreciated Superman villain. Uh, you know, outside of Lex Luthor, there's a big giant gap between the number one and number two Superman villains. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know there's certain people out there listening that love the Toy Man and love. <laughs> uh, that's the only other ones I can think of. But um, Mitzelpitalik, I guess, would be number two, maybe, right? Um, of uh, Superman's uh, Rogues Gallery? Yeah. It would probably be Lex up top. Lex like is number this- one with a bullet. Right, with a with a one A being Doomsday. Eh. Doomsday Force, ran hot and fast. Doomsday got a lot of press. Force of nature kind of eh. a deal. I'd put Doomsday in the top ten, but I like you know what I mean? Like What about Bizarro? I so I could go two or three with Bizarro or Mitsopitalik. Right. You know, but those are your top three, I'd say, like Bizarro. Mitsopitalik and Lax. I'm just throwing some out here. But even I, even between, like whether you say number two is Doomsday or number two is Bizarro or number two is Mitsopitalik, there's a gap between Lex and them. Yeah, I mean, what about Brainiac? Brainiac, they babyface him too much. Okay, and then the only other one that I can think of is General Zod. General Zod has gotten some steam. He got a little bit more steam in the early to mid 2000s. Right. But I don't think they've done anything of note with General Zod in like a good like five to seven years. They probably have. It's just in something we're not reading. Yeah. But I will say this. Neil before Zod is just in the lexicon. And it's in the lexicon. It's in the lexicon because of a 40 year old movie. But. It works. May the Force be with you is in the lexicon because of a 40-year-old movie, and they've never used it since. They they have. All right, two more times, Empire and Jedi. No, I, they used it. Oh, that's right. They didn't use, there, was, there weren't any Star Wars movies that happened from 1999 to 2005, so you are correct. Right, it did not know. happen in any other movies that I can remember. Right, but no, I get it. I'm just, I'm just, I, I know I'm going down a rabbit hole, but I wanted to, I just wanted to look. And I, I I'm a big Zod guy because it rhymes with Todd. So, <laughs> but anyway, tangent, tangent. I'm really enjoying this take on Superman. Yes, me too. Me too. I, I, I won't go over, though I will say, I do, I disagree with you on the gift. I think Lex is very happy he has it, but I think. Superman is trying to play a game that he's not equipped for. No, I, I there's a lot of things that Superman is equipped for, but I do not think Machiavellian games are his strong point. And I think he's just trying to figure out what because uh, Lois kind of like you know needles at him. He's like we got to figure out what he's what he's doing, and this gift is kind of his way of playing his chess piece. And I'm like, no, that's that's your that's not your strong point against Lex. Other ways are, are around it, but I'm willing to see where it goes because I am really enjoying this book. My thought in regards to that is more times than not, Le- when it comes to the Lex and Superman relationship, mm-hmm. the reason that Superman has been able to outsmart Lex from time to time it's not a constant thing is because lex is too smart for his own good so uh you know superman gives lex what he gives lex in this issue okay Mm -hmm. and superman is giving this to lex to do a whatever that a is okay but lex will be like 
well, he's giving me this to do A, but that's too simple. Because that's not what I would do. So then right. Lex spends the rest of his life figuring out options B through Z as to why Superman gave it to him. And while he's spending all of this time trying to figure out those other 25 plus options, it's doing the A that Superman wanted it to do because Superman knows that Lex wouldn't think the way that Superman does. Fair enough, fair enough. But I will say, as someone who never overthinks anything, <laughs> I don't know how that could possibly happen. But no, I get you. It's a good distraction. Like, what what way is Superman trying to, you know, yes. ruin me with this? Where Superman's like, I'm not trying to ruin you with this. You know, like in his own head, I get you. Like, let let let's put Lex's paranoia and conspiracy-laden mind to work. And that will distract him while I do like 70 other things. It totally works because it works with me. I mean, someone who, you know, may think like that. Right. Uh, so definitely check out those books. Superman's still early in the run. Um, and, you know, obviously, if your local store sold out of these books, we neglect to mention this. You could always get books digitally. Um, you know, if you're not a day and date reader, and we definitely do our best to try not to uh, spoil these books too too much. Um, you know, if you're a Marvel guy, you're a DC guy, you could sign up for their unlimited infinite services, and you can get new releases in like three to four months after they come out, you know, and you can get like everything for a low, low price. Yep. You know, turn in your blue check mark and get a month of uh, DC infinite comics, you know? Yep. Something. Um, so, hey, that's what we read this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday at noon, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Uh, whether you get your books digitally, whether you get them in print, whether you're waiting for the trade, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am currently in the lead over Todd with three correct guesses. Right. Uh, I am going to guess the book that Todd is most looking forward to coming out this week is Green Arrow number one. It is Green Arrow number one. Um, looking forward to see Ollie. He'll hopefully put him back on top, you know. Um, I'm looking at your list, and is the book you're looking forward to most also Green Arrow numero uno? It is also Green Arrow number one. Um you know, a book that was just like, and Ollie's someone that I'll always give a whirl to, you know, whenever there's a new number one or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the recent run on Superman by Josh Williamson has kind of pushed this book a little bit like more up front. I was kind of like, eh, we'll see. Um, but really how strong the first three issues of Superman have been. And yep. I don't think it's hit the uh, dirt sheets, if you will. Uh, but as of today... This book has been officially upgraded from a six issue to a 12 issue miniseries. I was just talking with uh, young Josh at the store yeah. uh, today, and I was like, oh, he's like, I'm really looking for. I was like, secret. I'm like, this is the book I'm looking forward to uh, most this week. Don't tell Joe. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I'm really looking forward to it too. And I was like, yeah, I just wish it wasn't a miniseries. And he's like, yeah, I found that out too. He goes, but Joshua uh, Williamson said, you know, if it sells well enough, you know, it could become an ongoing. I'm like, 
yeah, technically that's with any book, you know, like if tomorrow, like they do an Adam book and it ends up, you know, selling a million copies, they're going to make it an ongoing, but, uh, it's nice to hear that, uh, they did that, even though I haven't read it yet. Uh, right. It's really good. I hope, I hope this green arrow hits the bullseye, Joe. Oh boy. Um, and you know, this is something that we've, you know, discussed before, you know, this happened uh, a couple times with, um, Mark Russell books at DC when he was doing the wonder line. Remember the wonder line, Todd? Yeah. I wonder what happened to that line. Um, but I think two different Mark Russell books, I know wonder twins was one and something else maybe were originally six issue miniseries as it is. And then it was like, after the six issues was done, it's like, Hey, we got approved for another six issues, but the next issue will be out in like three months um and that was a good word of mouth after the book was already out sort of sales boost mm-hmm. where in his Substack, whatever josh williamson said today um that because the initial orders on issue one were so good um green, the dc already greenlit it for another six issues right up there so they can do 12 issues continuously right right and then i think dc also announced today because i think the last issue of the Blue Beetle miniseries is uh, this week. They also said that it got, you know, it did good enough that they're going to do an ongoing to coincide with the movie coming out as well. And again, I'm sure, you know, having a new number one of the movie and, you know, it being close enough, right? Right. Um, helps. So it's good to see that DC uh, had been and is currently giving books a little bit more of a chance based on whether it be uh, initial orders or reorders or word of mouth or that sort of thing. And it's just smaller books. It's not a Batman book, right? Yeah. It's not even Batman adjacent. No, but it is a guy who wanted to be Batman for a while. (laughs) Yes. And he did have all the the toys in the cave and. Right. And Ollie has firmly carved out his own separate niche to separate himself from Batman. Yep. Uh, so, hey, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, uh, be sure to check out past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, and uh, also follow along with us uh, for this year's Todd and Joe Have Issues as we are doing a reread of Neil Gaiman's Sandman from beginning to end, not just the 75 issues um, that were numbered. We're doing the one-shots, we're doing the short stories, we're doing the miniseries, we're doing everything. And we are currently in the midst of a game of you. Yes. And uh, this has uh, art on, well, I, I let Todd kind of control this and I just chime in where I can. Right. And uh, I, I, I'll i just say this. Um, obviously, if you're reading along with us, uh, we appreciate it. If you're following along with us, uh, listener discretion. You know, there are some sensitive subjects that come up uh, in this. It is a mature reader's book. Um, we definitely do try our best to describe mature readers' books in not a kitty way, but at least in an all, you know, a, a accessible to everyone sort of way. Yep. I try to do it in a, you know, a clean way so uh, Joe isn't clutching at his porpentine. I mean, pearls, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Just because that's the character's name, you can't get away with saying a horrible swear on the on the show. Right, right. <laughs> um, Remember when that happened? Um, yeah, that was Studebaker, right? Certainly was. Oh, that was. Oh, I can't say that. I'll never forget that. Oh, it's the man's name. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Oh, those were the days, Joe. 
too bad that isn't like you know on out anywhere on the internet anymore but uh right. as we said at the beginning but like you said this is part two of a game of you written by neil gaiman obviously and sean mcmanus on art who i you know he doesn't do them all uh but this one he does so barbie's you know looking at the stone the the the, the porpentine they call it that uh the big dog from her dreams gave her and hazel comes down to talk to her and basically hazel lays out that uh she came to talk to her because she's pregnant uh, and Barbie's like, well, how could you be pregnant? Like you're, you know, uh, a lesbian who's, you know, with Fox love. And she like lays it out that somebody she w- knew, they kind of were together. And I do like the ignorance that, or the, the not ignorance, but how naive Hazel is when it comes to men and, you know, sex kind of a deal and i was like it was funny like her like there was no way i could get pregnant because of these reasons and i was like yeah i've met a few people who were that naive um and she's basically just ends up telling her like uh you know never trust a guy kind of a deal um and she kind of says well thank you i don't know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna think about it but i have to go back up to the fox love can you give me which was a great the little cute uh frog mug from last issue uh that that kind of works out so now barbie's kind of thinking to herself and she's watching tv and she's kind of nodding off and uh nuala the uh fairy that was uh given given basically to sandman comes up and tells her like i'm new at this i'm here i shouldn't be telling you but something bad's on the way and she's kind of taken aback by it. And, like, now the TV's kind of, what do you call it, like, interfering with her dream. She's dreaming about, like, her ex and everything. And she kind of trails off. And she ends up going through these curtains and ends up in the dreamland that, uh, you know, that the characters that we met from last issue are in. I well, did like mm-hmm. um, the visual and comic rep- representation of her nodding off. Mm-hmm. Um, how it started off with, um, who was it? The, um, the fairy that lost their glamour, um, during the last storyline. Right, right. You know, and like how they, they're there. And then, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, Ken shows up on definitely not David, late night with David Letterman. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, and, and again, this is a very different time, ladies and gentlemen. Um, where Barbie is thinking about things that she could do. Um, you know, obviously she doesn't want to go to sleep. I'll watch a little TV. Maybe I'll go for a walk, walk downtown, uh, to the waterfront, stare at Lady Liberty while the sun comes up and get mugged by a New York crazy before I get five blocks. Maybe not a great idea. This was a very different New York back when this comic was written. Yes, it was definitely a different one. Um, so while they're like, they're basically they're showing what the different people are doing in the building and the like, obviously the character, Hazel, Foxglove, Thessaly, um, Barbie and Wanda, uh, and George, the creepy dude who has the picture of uh, Barbie in her, in his house is like, basically, um, you know, they're all asleep. It's, it's, it's time to do it. It's time, my brothers, and in a creepy maneuver where he cuts his chest open so you can see his ribs and, like, all the birds fly out. Um, the one thing that I will say is I, I look at this, and it always creeped me out. 
And this is going to be super freaky when they get to it on the Sandman TV show. Joe. Oh boy, I'm gonna I'm gonna faint when this happens. Um, so anything were you gonna say something? Nope, I'm okay. just I'm with you. Uh, and so now we hit like Wanda's dream, and she's dreaming about like all the people who like all the kids that made fun of her when she was younger. You could tell, and like they're all like they want to be her, and she and she likes that dream. She's end up dreaming of. Uh, you know, what were the weird Zaros and Hyperman? And basically, they give him his worst nightmare, which is an operation, which he's too afraid to have. So they're like, we're going to do it. And it just it terrifying in this dream. So I'm like, okay. Um, Hazel's dream is her on a bus um, going oh, on a train. I'm sorry. Going no, go ahead. See, oh boy, I'm saying. Oh boy, going to see Fox, Fox Glove. And she's bringing her baby in a trunk, which is like such a visual because it's, you know, it's not alive and just, you know, they're talking about how it smells of formaldehyde and is preserved. And I'm like, Oh my God, like this is just creepy. And she goes, well, I'm going to take it. And Foxglove has a, has a baby too. And we're going to put them to, in the crib together. And now just the describing of like how, like the baby kind of moves and it moves towards foxglove's baby and attacks it and he's like and i'm sitting watching it and when it's and this is the line like and i know once it's finished with fox's child then it will come for us that whole scene joe gives me do the kids call it the ick because that's what i have right now um so from the page where uh they open up what's in the box Mm mm-hmm uh, the panel at the bottom of that page to the every other panel on the next page, every one is more distressing than the last. Yes, it is. Um, you know, and and I will say this: it's been a long time since I've brought up the differences between the digital and the print copies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will just say, uh, the flies that are buzzing around what's in the box, right, really pop in print and not so much digitally. Okay, fair enough. Um, but I will say once again, something that I'm going to put money down on that this will be truncated in, if they do it in the Sandman series, I don't see them going full, like, like that second to last panel of Hazel's dream. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But, uh, so we get to Foxglove who's dreaming. We find out that, uh, her name is real name is Donna Kavanaugh. And uh, we find it's Judy from the diner issue um, that this was the girlfriend that she punched and kind of knew uh, Rose uh, from that that storyline and everything. And they end up talking like she blames her for like, or maybe I wouldn't have been in that diner. And like, we get the whole thing. Will you hit me kind of a deal? Um and she's asking if she's a ghost. It's like, I don't know. It doesn't matter. And then hold on. I've got something in my eye, which takes me back to that issue where she gouges. And I'm like, just creepy. But once again, that whole Neil, th- like everything's connected and yes. we didn't, we didn't know. And I love it, Joe. And this is, and this is something that if for some reason you did not read that first run, that first trade of Sandman, and you're now just picking it up here. Is it more rewarding that you've been reading since? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do they fill you in on what's going on? 
Absolutely. Yep. Does a good, like I said, it always adds if you have read it. You know what I mean? Yes. So now we cut to Thessaly and she's sleeping and having none of it. Um, The bird just like, she opens her eyes and she just cracks it off a wall. There's blood everywhere. She lights it on fire somehow. (laughs) And it affects George. She goes, gets something out of her drawer, goes upstairs. I want to talk. Um, uh, I'm Thessaly. She introduces herself and she's holding the knife behind her back. And she's like, you know, and that's the last time we see that. So basically, Bar- like we cut to Barbie and she's in the dream world and she's talking to everybody and she's like, and then they're like, oh, well, is Martin with you? Like, where is he? He's like, no, he's dead. Well, we've kind of lost it all. The coo- We're all going to fall to the, the, the cuckoo, even though you have the, the, the stone, the, the porpentine. I guess that's like how it's pronounced. And she's like, well. I don't know about that. Like, I don't, we have to get this thing to the bright shining sea. Um, is it a long way? And they're like, yeah, long way. And there's all cuckoo's people between here and there. And she's like, well, we better start going, you know, end of chapter two, Joe. So Sean McManus does such a great job Mm -hmm. with this issue. And obviously he doesn't draw the next issue and we'll kind of get into that. Um, literally, mixing between minimally four different art styles in this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you have the waking world and how everyone kind of looks in that. Um, You have everyone's individual dream that has their own different look and feel. Um, And then you have, you know, obviously the difference of Barbie's dream, which we did see, um previously in a doll's house mm-hmm. and all of it looks beautiful in its own way and disgusting in its own way when it needs to be and it's awesome yep um i will say one of my favorite bits that i was going to touch on is when barbie falls asleep and she says it's a world of curtains that she has to go through and i'll be there and she's like and how she pushes them the vision like i visually like the way you just see your hands moving the, the curtains. I'm like just a brilliant piece of artwork. And it's like the way anybody has done. If you've been anywhere where you had to go through like curtains on a stage, like you're looking for them and you're trying to push them apart. And I'm like, just such a brilliant visual. And like you said, the brightness of like her dreams compared to like the creepiness of uh, the other people in the house's dream, because they're not getting attacked by the birds. I just absolutely love it. I'm with you. Um, anything else before I go on, Joe? Just Nope. So? We're good there. Right. So, uh, basically the next issue starts, uh, uh, with art by Colleen Doran, Neil Gaiman, as always. Um, and they're all waking up from their dreams. Um, and like Hazel and, and Foxglove are like, we're going to, you know, uh, take a drink, calm down kind of a deal. And I do like the bit where Hazel goes, you know what's so scary about bad dreams and, and Fox is like, it's the fact that you think it's really happening. She's like, uh-uh. It's that there's something going on in your head that you can't control. And I mean it like there's bad bad worlds inside you. But it's just you. It's like you're betraying yourself. Um, just like some of like Neil's great writing that I absolutely love. Um, so basically, Thessaly comes to the door. Is like, yeah, anybody in there? And they're like, come on in. Um, she's like, seeing if you were okay and you're like we're fine get out she's like no bad dreams like yeah bad dreams all right let's come on we're gonna go look around they go get wanda 
and Wanda's comes out and she's a she's a mess that she had a horrible dream. Um and Destiny's like, well, it's Barbie that I'm really worried about. Uh let's go check on her. So they bang on the door, they can't get in. She uh Wanda says, I have a key, think it's you know, think something's wrong. And there's a great shot of Thessaly like closing her eyes. She's like, There's definitely something wrong. You better open the door. Um, I love that shot. So that is a great panel to juxtapose with some of the other shots of Thessaly that we see later in the issue. Yes. Um, You know, obviously a much darker, a much more foreboding uh, shot of her, a much more serious shot of her, you know, and then as the story goes on, and as Todd's going to detail here, as Thessaly is explaining to the other uh, people in the apartment building what's going on and what they all need to do and what parts they all need to play, Thessaly is drawn in a much, and again, I, I hate to say softer way, but definitely her eyes are much more pronounced and shown to be, as you mentioned, more foreboding and more dark, where in the other pages, she's not. She's a little bit more welcoming and a little bit more. Um, and again, I, I, I again I hate to say soft again, but again, to welcome this? them in, except for the one part where she explains what happened to George. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Right. How about this guy? You say you keep saying plain. How about the way they're drawn? It's meant she's unassuming. She's plain, and okay. this this she's got an edge to her just in this panel. Yes. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean that over here. Go ahead. I, I couldn't get it straight in my head, you know? No, I was just, I, maybe that's the word you're looking for. If it's not, I understand. Um, so they end up like, they, she's like, let's take, we'll, let's take, don't touch the stone. I think, you know, that that's something that's keeping her alive, kind of, because, like, there's a glow to it and everything. She's like, let's take her up to George's room. Um, be careful. Wanda, you're like, you look like you're the strongest of all do it. And they end up like start discussing like Thessaly and they're like, they'll have their, cause nobody really talks or they all have their theories about her and like, Oh, I, I talked to her. So she's studying like ancient art kind of a deal. And that's like kind of whatever. And they like each give their takes on it. But George, they're like, they all pretty much agree. George is a creep. Um, this is when uh, Hazel realizes uh, what, you know, what Wanda's deal is. And it's kind of unnerving. And I will say this, that I've read with Neil, like in things, he's like, it's weird because we still weren't what we would become. And to use the word thingy, Joe, that was not originally Neil's word. Um, but editorial made him like change. He goes, and it's weird because like what vertigo would become like, that's so like, it's just so weird looking back on it. You know what I mean? Like we weren't had the the complete free range that we would be giving later. Right. This is still a mature reader's book. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1990, whatever, 1990, 1991, maybe at the earliest. Right. Um, but still, there's uh, you know, maybe seven words you can't put in your comic book. Well, and that's the thing. You can put like five of those seven words in the book. But there's one or two you probably can't. And it's funny because uh, in last issue, the word one of the words was used when Hazel was talking with Barbie. You know, men think, and I'm like, I don't know. It's very weird about what you can do, but I definitely remember it. So 
Um, they get to his room and they're like, uh, like, well, where's George? He's like, he's in the bathtub. And he's like, and I like the, the phrase that Wanda uses, um, to Thessaly about on a bicycle. That's always one of my favorite phrases. Um, and she's like, uh, he's taking a bath. Like, nope, he's in, he's not taking a bath. I, I killed him. They're like, ah, that's funny. They go in and he's got a big knife in his chest and, you know, blood everywhere. And, um, right. So I think uh, what we are starting to learn is, you know, we talk about the plane and the, whatever else about Thessaly, and she, Thessaly even mentions it herself a couple times. We are learning that she is not of this world, that she is not human. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, I'm not sure how to explain this. I don't usually have to. And she's like, I'm not very good at making jokes, you know, and like stuff like that. She's because she's a very matter of a fact person. Yep. There's, she's not a sugar coater. She's not a easing you into something. She's going to tell you the facts without thinking of them. Because we need to know the facts and we need to move along and fix these problems. Yeah, she's not a sugarcoater in any way, shape, or form. Um, so she ends up like, she's like, basically what's going to happen is, I know you all want to leave here or call the police, but you're not going to be able to do that or leave until I let you do it. And they're like, yeah, get out of here. And, she, and Wanda's like, she's like, all right, go ahead. Go ahead, Wanda. And Wanda can't. And, uh, basically they're like, oh my God, um, you know, we can't leave. Are you going to kill us? And she's like, no, I'm not going to kill you, but you killed George. He's like, yeah, but I'm not going to do any of that. Like, why would I do that? Um, and he, she ends up explaining like that he sent the birds and they were the bad dreams kind of a deal. Um, and, uh, I want to know what's going on with them. And they're like, well, how are you going to find out? And he's like, uh, I'm going to ask him kind of a deal. And he's like, that's a joke. And he's like, once again, I don't do jokes, but this is going to make you uncomfortable. You might want to leave the room. So basically, Thessaly, and she ends up, she's saying, I remember the magic kind of a deal, like to do this, what you have to do. And she's going to take his face so she can just, you know, do witchcraft uh, with it. And her doing it and describing the way and the muscle memory of doing it is one of the goriest things um, that just bothers me. And there's like another panel of her like squinting the eyes, like doing it with the exacto knife. And you're like, oh boy. Um, and they basically like uh, witchcraft. You mean like new age stuff? Like, nope, quite the opposite. Very like basically saying very old age magic. And uh, she's doing her spell talking about the ears, the eyes, and then, like, the tongue to speak. And Joe, oh, my God, the bit where she gets the tongue and then, you know, the whole look of it on the wall, which I'm going to say now through the rest of this issue and a lot of the story, just nonchalantly when George isn't even, you know, doing anything, just him in the background on the wall, Always, my eye is always, always, always drawn to it. <laughs> there is specifically a panel in here, okay? Um, oh, and you did mention that um, Thessaly did something so that they can't leave unless she lets them, right? Right. I said, like, go ahead and try, and and, and Wanda's like, I can't. Okay. Like, and th- that's such a powerful panel, like those five frames there where Wanda doesn't move a ton, 
but mm-hmm. the last panel where you start to see Wanda crack, and it's very interesting to me, and Wanda even mentions it for the stupid people reading the book, me, where Hazel and Foxglove are just like, yep, we're just going to go along with this. We don't know this person. We've we, we've never had a relationship with this person, but all of a sudden, we're just going to go along, right? And Wanda is the one that doesn't, and obviously there's a difference between Hazel and Foxglove and Wanda, which, again, they get into, of course, in the book. But um, there is the um, there is the panel after Thessaly removes the tongue, okay? Mm-hmm. And then everything is kind of stuffed in on the wall. Right. That picture, I wanted to make that my Twitter avatar this week. Oh, my God, you monster <laughs> joke. So bad. How did your wife ever read this issue? Um, I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? The eye thing, right? Yeah. And there might even be some baby ghosts in this book somewhere, Joe. But anyway, she ends up using a spell to, to, you know, to bring George back in this, you know, uh, face, whatever you want to call it. The face. Um, Face. I knew you were going to do it. So, uh, like, and, and basically Wanda's like, I'm going to be sick. And they're like, if you're going to be sick, go in the bathroom. No, George is in there. And then finally just relents and goes in. And I, that makes it worse. And he basically gives, the, you know, what happens. Like, I, I'm, I was found by the cuckoo and, you know, the, promised me many things, wonderful things that as long as I came here and, like, you know, helped, you know, get, you know, Barbie and stuff like that. And basically... Uh, like she's like, what's the cuckoo's like, I don't know. Um, and basically comes down to where can I find the cuckoo? And he's like in dreams, Barbie's dreams. Yes. And I like that. He's like, uh, then you dismiss me. I do not. And he's like, just pleading to let me die. He's like, it's like silence until, you know, I, you know, I give you, I bid you to talk again, which is kind of cool. Um, and at this point, um, one of those visuals that you're talking about, Thessaly, explaining things to Fox, Hazel, and Wanda with the blood dripped out. I'm going to call it the Alice Cooper effect. You know how he has, like, the blood in the corner of his mouth? Uh-huh. And she's just nonchalantly saying things. And there's one panel where she kind of has her head tilted and the big eyes, and she looks, like you said, softer, more unassuming, but with the blood on her face... That makes it a million more times creepier than her slathered in blood like she gigged herself. You know what I mean? For sure. Just so good. So she's like, um, basically, we're going to have to go into her dream. Um, And I like this is the nonchalant thing, like you say about Thessaly, where it's like um, they want to hurt Barbie. And they're like, so we're doing this, uh, you know. For Barbie and Thessaly's like sure, but also because the cuckoo tried to kill me, that's important. And she lays that down. She's very straightforward. She's like, "This is all great. All this will happen, but it's because I'm going to get my revenge on the cuckoo. Barbie will hopefully be okay." But I'm just like, and I love that. That that just once again tells you everything you need to know about Thessaly. Like right there. So they're like, okay, we're going to do this. There's two ways of doing this. We can go through. We can ask the Dream Lord, but he wants nothing to do with us. So there's another way. Like we can go through the 
the moon god or the the we could draw the moon down. It's like we're gonna need a couple of things. We're gonna need blood, but the blood I need I can't do because I'm so like ancient that I can't do anymore. Well, she just says, you know, it, it's been a long time. Right. Um, well, kind of because a witchcraft maybe. Like Hazel can't because she's pregnant. And Fox is like, what? And I like that Hazel's like, not now. This is not the time. So Fox kind of does what they need. And she ends up basically summoning up the, the I forget what they're called, but they're like, they're basically like, to me, another version of the three witches throughout yes. all of this. Um, they keep showing up and they end up like kind of giving away a little bit about Thessaly, which I will say, I don't think we ever got a definitive origin from her like uh kind of a deal but she's basically saying she's one of the old witches uh from like greece which would be like the the town thessaly that area and how like there's not many of them left that the others have gone to dust and ugalus and she's like that's all great but send me where i need to go and they're like well and she so the key thing about this is thessaly is not intimidated by them by nothing Right. And there's been times that we've seen before where other members of the Endless have had to deal with the three witches. And this isn't exactly them, but it's them, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they kind of acquiesce to them. And they play their game. It's like, well, you know, I only give you three questions. And, you know, you didn't ask the right question sort of thing. And Thessaly's like, I'm not playing games. You know what I could do. I know what you could do. You're going to do this for me. And that's it. And they start playing their games. And she's like, no, no, no. Let's just do this. And they yep. listen to her. And there's like one thing where they say, you don't understand what you've done. Like calling the moon down. She's like, I know what I did. Don't worry about it. Um, and I do like the fact they're like, how, how, why do you do this? She's like, because I, be, why should we? Because you can and I order you to. And there's like, there'll be a wreck. And you're like, ah, you said that before. And others like, yeah, you know, there'll be a wreck. Like, but like you said, so they go. Um, and now out in the street, there's the I don't like dogs lady. Um, and she's just walking around. She looks up and she's like, the moon's gone. And everybody's like, ah, you're crazy. You know, and they're talking about like the, what was it? Because it's earlier in the book, I kind of maybe didn't mention it, like that a hurricane had missed New York. And they're like, ah, it's not supposed to rain. The hurricane missed us. But she's like, the the, the thing is rising. And then, uh, you know, it's going to get worse. And I hate dogs. That's how we know she is. And hey, uh, Fessley says, Wanda, you have to stay. This is not your route, which is something we'll get into in a in the next issue, but uh, you stay here and guard Barbie. That's important. And I like uh, Neil said, these are some of his favorite puns that he's ever done in the book. She says, you're a lunatic, Thessaly. You know that you've gone Looney tunes, which he's like, a lot of people didn't know because she's bringing down the moon lunatic and Looney tune. I'm like, yeah, I kind of, kind of like that too. Um, so once they leave through the moon, the, the, I'm not, I don't like dog ladies. Like the moon's back. Um, and they say, like, you know, this is crazy laughing at me, but look at this. So Wanda's, or Wanda, uh, yeah, Wanda's thinking to herself, like you said, how I tossed my cookies and, but Hazel and, and, and Fox are taking it in time. Um, all this stuff is crazy. Uh, and then finally she kind of, kind of goes off like, oh, it should be like a crazy movie, like blah, 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 called this, called that. 
Um, and finally, uh, it, she's like, it's going to be a long night. And then George is like, um, excuse me, Miss Wanda, can we talk? And like I said, it's unassuming because like that face is all over the last couple of panels. But because he can't talk, you kind of forget about him. But he's always there in the corner of your eyes. And then it's like, oh, let's have a little talk. End of chapter three. <sighs> I've mentioned before the first 30 issues of Sandman mm-hmm. and the last 20 um, are much more ingrained in my consciousness um, right. than these ones. But it's like little bits and little things that kind of reignite those moments and those memories and those everythings um, about these, you know? I will say the, and I'm not trying to be, but I think the whole run is ingrained in my mind, but I will say the beginning to maybe like, like to 50, which is the first two thirds, like that's burned into my brain. Then kind of like I have the high spots for end at the end of the world and uh, kindly ones and the wake, like those are lesser in my brain, even though they were newer, because I probably read the early ones a thousand times more than I did the last ones. Because I had, I would always reread them, and then the books would come out and be like, oh, well, I've read these five times, but I've only ever read the end twice, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Way more times than that. So I'm kind of a weird version of that. Love Sandman, Joe. Don't know if you know it. <laughs> uh, so next week, we're eating, reading issues 35 and 36. Right. Simple enough. We're going further into a game of you. Yes. All the way to the other side. Yes. Um, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, uh, head over to our store, buy shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. If you want even more fancy things and more fancy designs, go over to our T Public store. The 35% off sale is going on this week as we speak. Uh, you could also sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash longboxheroes. Um, dollar a month, $5 a month, you get a ton of stuff at both those levels, only the two levels that we have. Um, you get the two podcasts, extra monthly, uh, previewing the past, where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. Uh, we're getting ready uh, here in the next week or two to record in May 1993. We just came off of our movie show, which this year we're doing comic book oddities. We just watched Return of Swamp Thing, and a good time was had by all. Yes. Um, also, you get full scans of those previews catalogs that we talk about on the uh, Previewing the Past show. High quality expertly done except for the last 30 or so pages of those catalogs and again you get the entire back catalog of those shows those catalogs the movie shows going back the last three years of all of those things and at the five dollar level you get those two shows two weeks before everyone else and you get after dark two days before everyone else so you can listen to everything in the correct listening order yes and lastly you can make any and all of your purchases through our ebay affiliate link um, I'm not going to read the disclaimer, but, you know, it's a thing about affiliates on this page. Direct you to a thing that can give us a commission, and one of those things that are on there is the uh, eBay affiliate link. Yes. Um, so, no art attacks this week? No, we haven't had any art attacks. All right. Um, I'm going to let you talk about the finale of Season 3 of Mandalorian. Sure, sure. Um, so, basically... 
Uh, last we left, you know, the uh, Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, Mando has been captured by Moff Gideon, and they're taking him off, and uh, Bo-Katan has her group that she brought down. They're kind of on the run from the uh, Beskar-wearing uh, best uh, uh, shock troopers. I forget what they actually called them, but uh, so they're on the, the, the hunt for them. Um, and the guy, uh, uh, the one that Bo, uh, Bo-Katan sent back to the ship, he ends up using his jetpack to fly into space and getting into the ship, uh, the main, like, little baby Star Destroyer kind of a deal, and says, like, all right, you guys have to go down, gives them the layout, what's going on, take the drop ships and take everybody down and I'll be the distraction up here. And they end up going down in the drop ships in a great shot that I actually love is, and you saw it coming because there's that storm where the drop ships are trying to get out of there before the tie fighters come to fight and they drop out of the sky and they go beneath the cloud level. And then like a half a beat later, the tie fighters come shooting out of the clouds, just missing them. I, I knew it was coming because I was like, that's going to be a great visual, but I still really did uh, kind of uh, love that. Uh, so they're taking Mando away. He's only got two guards because, you know, that they think they got him. He ends up getting loose by fighting and Grogu shows up in his IG-11 outfit and kind of helps him. And along the way, they end up finding the, the clone tanks that have like a million, you know, like a Moff Gideon's in there. He ends up destroying them all. Um, and I like that he uses R5-D4, the far superior droid than R2-D2, to like do all the, the, like shutting down all the stuff that they need. So I thought it was funny. So he comes out to R, uh, R5-D4, right? Mm-hmm. And he says to him that, uh, I'm going to need you to scomp down here. And I don't think that's a verb that I've ever heard used in the Star Wars universe. Right. It might be a new one. Is scomp like what a droid, like an astromech droid, like, is that the description for their movement? That took me aback, I'll just say. Right. There's a couple of, I forget, like, there's one that's like, uh, a weird one where it's like that's the that's the pot calling the kettle black, and I forget what it is, but like Cad Bane uses it and Mandalorian uses it. And it's like that's like the quack thar calling, and I'm like, whatever. I just I let all that go. You know what I mean? Yeah, but just, just scump was an, uh, an uh, one that stopped me dead in my tracks. Right. So, um, uh, Bo Bo Katan ends up getting like her influx of warriors. And they go end up fighting the Beskar troopers. And then uh, Dinjar and the Mando and Grogu end up fighting those. What would they be? They were like in the they were like in this the, the last three movies. They were the they were essentially the, like the, the, the Imperial Guard. Guard. The Crimson right. Guard, yeah. And they're gonna kill poor uh they're gonna kill poor Grogu and he they end up cutting up his suit. So it, the suit is IG eleven is like it's the worst luck in in these things, and he basically Grogu's suit becomes the new. Uh, what was the name of his uh, ship? The original one. 
There was one that blew up. Uh, uh, the Razor Crest. The Razor Crest. It's like, oh, he just get. We have it uh, just in time to probably get a figure. We can destroy it, and I always laugh at that. It's like, so we can make a figure and then get him back to like the way it was. So like, uh, Moff Gideon shows up and he's got his you know suit on. He's gonna fight uh, Mando. And uh, the, the the little Imperial Star Destroyer up in the sky gets you know blown up, and the guy rides it into the atmosphere. He's going to use it as like a kind of a kamikaze thing. Uh, actually, a a fun, cool battle between the flying stormtroopers in Beskar and the Mandalorians. And I know you marked out when the armor was knocking people around with the hammer and tongs, right, Joe? I I was. I, there was rumor and innuendo. That um, we were going to get a big moment on the finale here. That the armorer has been an imperial spy this whole time, and I'm and I was like, no, I was yelling at the podcast I was listening to. <laughs> like, no, you're wrong. The armorer is the best, and I was so happy that the it didn't turn out. And the armorer is the best and got to do cool stuff in this uh, this this episode. Right. So basically. Uh... We find out that uh, Moff Gideon was using the cloning thing and wanted the baby, baby, uh, gr- uh, uh, baby Yoda for the ability to use the Force because he thought the only thing that the clones were missing. He was such a great leader. The only thing he was missing was the ability to use the Force. So this was going to solve this problem. But now he's destroyed all, uh, all of that, and we're going to throw down. Basically, Gideon hands uh, Mandalorian his his helmet and. Bo-Katan shows up and she's like, go save the kid because being attacked by the guards. So he goes, basically stomps out, you know, those guys with the help of little baby Yoda and comes out and ends up helping Bo-Katan fight Moff Gideon, but not before Moff Gideon destroys the Darksaber. Uh, the uh, Imperial star, uh, cruiser crashes, destroying everything that the Empire has laid there killing Moff Gideon no body no death as far as I'm concerned um but baby Yoda uses the force to protect them in a force bubble from the giant fireball that uh that say that saves them I I actually like I said enjoyed the battle it was it was kind of what you needed for a season finale yeah it was fine um this was an okay episode not the punch that I was hoping for Mm-hmm. Uh, on a season finale, um, but uh, you know, and, and they go back to um, what's Lando Calrissian's city town name you, thing? You, don't you mean uh, uh, Navarro? Right. But and, also, they also fire up the uh, the uh, the forge on Mandalore now that they have it. But go ahead. Right. So they bring. Um, Mando and the kid go back there. The kid, Baby Yoda, um, he's talking to the rebel person, and it's like, well, um, you know, I want to do some jobs for you, but kind of on my own um, time and whenever I want to. And they're like, well, you know, we'll see how this works out. And they notice that in the cantina, there's like an IG head there, mm-hmm. and they use that and the little mini Ugnots, whatever they're called. Right. Uh, what the hell are? Uh, I can't think of the little guy's name, but yeah, you're right. They used them to bring back the IG tw- the IG eleven. That was the hero. That was the statue in the middle of the town that they had taken for scrap parts at the beginning of this season. 
Right. Now he's IG-12, Joe, and he's That's a marshal. And it was the Baba Fricks. That's who it was. <laughs> Baba Fricks. <laughs> right. But they, uh, Mando ends up actually adopting Baby Yoda, but because he can't speak, he can't take the oath. Because um, who wants to cover up that that moneymaker with the helmet, Joe? So he could not talk for, what, another hundred years? So we'll <laughs> always have that. Um and Grief Karga ends up giving Mando his own cabin out on the thing. And now he's going to be a bounty hunter again, which I think is going to serve the season four really good because it'll get back to what we want. Like that, that wild West aesthetic where it's like, all right, I'm going to go out and hunt bad guys and do that. And hopefully we've kind of, you know what I mean? We've gone over this situation, and I like that the uh, the big thing in the the Mando Lake winks at us at the end, Joe. Yeah, it's like, hey, everybody, I'm down here still. Somebody's gonna ride me before this season, this series is over. What was the name? Uh, there was, it was the general from the uh, episode of The Simpsons where Marge and Homer go to marriage counseling, and Homer blows off the marriage counseling to go catch the big giant fish. Right, right. And he does catch the big giant fish, but he loves Marge so much, he pushes the big giant fish back into the lake. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the episode, the general comes up and winks at us. Like, he planned this out all along. That's what that was with the big giant Mandalorian thing in their, in their uh, cleansing waters. Yes. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it was fine. It was okay. I didn't I'm love with it. you. Like Nothing said, knocked hope- my socks off. Um I- I think a lot of it was because, like, the fight with Mando and Moff Gideon was cool. Um, I definitely think that it's going to be a fake-out with his death. And I'm just kind of like, all right, guys, enough with the death fake-out. So let's go. Right. Well, what's the fact? Like, he says, oh, you destroyed all my clones. You know what I mean? You're a notorious liar. Yes. Cloners. But uh, so there could be one of those. I will say I got nervous for a second when the, when he's like, OK, uh, I want him to become a Mandalorian. He's like, well, we need his parents to like do it. And his parents are if they're still alive are probably very far away. And I was like, don't tell me that's what season four is going to be like trying to find Yoda's home planet. And then he's like, well, what if I adopt him? And then they're like, that that will be like, you know, we'll fill out the paperwork for the Mandalorian thing. And I'm like, yeah. okay, that works. Because I got, I was like, if this is going to be him going off on another adventure to Grogu related, I'm like, no, just have him hunt, you know, criminals and I'll be fine with it. Right. So it took us two seasons, but we're getting back to where uh, the show initially began. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, it's, it's still enjoyable, just like not a punch, you know, not a it didn't feel game changing. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you all the way. Yeah. Uh, so sorry to leave this show on such a down note, but I think that's it, right? Yeah, I think that's everything. Even. All right. This show was awesome. That's all I can say. All right. Thank you. So closing out this awesome episode 655 of Longbox Heroes for Todd. This is Joe saying Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain.
You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars.